Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss it's a valentine's day edition of the yahoo sports hockey podcast and i promise julian i won't take up too much of your time because based on that possibly illegal haircut of yours i assume it'll be a very busy day for you by the way it is not illegal to get a haircut where i'm at uh, I believe as of about a week ago, uh, hair salons have been open in Quebec. So uh, if people are wondering, no, getting a haircut is certainly not illegal. And uh, the only person who will be getting some love on Valentine's Day is me, myself, and I. And maybe my grandmother, who um, I think I'm going to try to get her a present before the day is out. You know, she's uh, she's in need of some love this year. So why not her? Well, that's very nice of you. And I am glad that you're following the rules, that you remain married to the game. It's all very important stuff. But you should <laughs> shower grandma with, with love on Valentine's Day. I think that's a very, very good option. Okay, let's get into it today. We've got four topics today. Uh, and we're going to begin with the North Division. We promised that we weren't going to be two, you know, North Division heavy, two Canadian guys talking about Canadian hockey every day. But I think it is time for a check-in. Because I'm feeling a little down on the North Division. Maybe it's the Valentine's Day sort of, you know, it's the it's going in the opposite direction for me right now. But I'm not feeling the love right now for the North Division because, frankly, it hasn't been all that exciting of late. Uh, this past week in particular was kind of kind of boring. Uh, you know, yesterday was Hockey Day in Canada, and that traditionally provides us with three all-Canadian matchups. Obviously, it wasn't a special exception yesterday because we're only seeing all-Canadian matchups. Uh and we did see three late winners, three games that sort of turned on a dime, but very, very little in, the, in terms of excitement. And frankly, I'm kind of concerned for the future here. So are you feeling down in the dumps on the North Division like I am? Or is this just a minor bump in the road on, on route to what should be uh, and what should continue to be a very exciting season? I think it's too soon to be down on the North Division. I'll say this. I don't know if it's necessarily the most exciting division in the NHL, but I think like we're at the one month mark of the NHL season right now. Like, I don't know if it's, I think it's too soon to just kind of write off the division. I'll say this. If the Leafs won on Saturday, then I'd, I'd be a little closer into your camp because then they'd have like a seven point advantage on, on yeah. the second place team and then you're thinking oh wow like they're gonna they're gonna run away with this division because in some ways i think this team is still very clearly the class of the division but i'm also intrigued at about like four different teams in this north division uh the montreal canadians are about to be on a week-long break 
So they're in second place in the division right now. They're going to lose a lot of ground. The Oilers, the Jets, and the Flames are each going to play three games between now and next Friday. So that's enough time for any of those teams to kind of make up some ground and and possibly fall into second, possibly third place in the division. And those three teams are, are in the process of kind of figuring themselves out. The Canadians, I'll bring them up again, they had this really hot start, but since teams have adjusted to them, uh, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. And if they don't find a way to adjust, and if they have to keep relying on Carey Price to win them games like they did on the weekend, we could be in for a lot of change. And maybe the first place might be wrapped up by the end of the year, but second, third, and fourth may still very well be in play. I think for the North Division, in February, on Valentine's Day, it's too soon to kind of write off the potential excitement for the North division and don't simply look at it as just, you know, a division race where you really only have to care about who's in first. I think we'll, we think we all know, even from the beginning of the season, who was going to be the best team in that division, but for second, third and fourth, that's not so clear. I'm not necessarily as down in the dumps on the division as you are. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. And I'm glad that I got counseling from you because I, I was the biggest proponent, I think, of the Canadian division. I don't want to be too negative, uh, but I think I'm looking at it this way for two reasons, one a micro level and one sort of at a macro level. And the micro level is that the goals have just been sucked out of these games for whatever reason. I think it's, you know, they saw all these coaches saw nine goals a game in the first three weeks. And they're just like, you know, enough is enough. We're going to start playing the way hockey, you know, is traditionally played, which is not as exciting as it should be. Uh, and, you know, seeing four goals a game over the last week and, and really some non-competitive games, even though there weren't blowouts, was kind of disheartening to me. But I think the most alarming thing is that there's a clear divide, as you sort of mentioned or alluded to, between good teams. And I don't even know if we know how good these teams are. I don't know if Montreal and Toronto are even really good teams, but good for the division in their context. Good. Mediocre. We got three mediocre teams, Edmonton, Calgary, and Winnipeg. Uh, it seems like it's not going to be who's going to earn those spots, but who's just going to give away the final playoff spot to the two other teams. And then we have two non-competitive teams in the Vancouver Canucks and Ottawa Senators who just basically are going through the motions at this point. Uh, so that kind of worries me in this sort of spectrum that we've seen or this gradient that we already have built up here. And you mentioned that it could have been even more exaggerated if, if Toronto did, in fact, win over the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night. I just feel like it's going to spread even thinner and thinner and thinner. And if it gets to that point, like we might see months of just, you know, hockey that really doesn't matter. And, and, and that sort of worries me. Uh, I, it probably won't get to that point, as you mentioned. I think we're going to see some exciting games. I think these the stars that shined off the bat are going to start shining again. But this was not a terribly uh, exciting week. And, and I, I just fear that all this, all, everything that we built up to be, it just might not be the case. I, I guess so. But I've got to remember, again, we're, month, we're one month into the season. Knock on wood, I don't wish this for anybody. Uh, have you thought of any significant injury that's really kind of destroyed a team's chances in this division so far? That could always play yeah. into a team's chances right I, I just think like at this point in the year it's still just like too soon to kind of you know kind of write off the potential excitement for that division and and even the teams that kind of suck right like the Vancouver Canucks I don't know if you saw like the owner uh, for Jessica Aquilini put out those tweets kind of giving his his yeah. members of his staff like a vote of confidence like I think there's there's still going to be some interesting storylines they're going to pop out and, and, I'll, and I'll keep on Vancouver for a second year only because they showed so much excitement in the bubble. And this is a team that I thought, okay, wow, they're, they're going to, they look as if they're going to have a promising future. And for them to kind of 
just do a complete 180 on their chances. I, I kind of want to see where this dumpster fire of a situation is is going to end up. It. Um, I, the Jets, I, I'm the Pierre Luc Dubois saga, which I mean, they mm-hmm. end up getting the player. He's finally gained to play with the team. How long is it going to take for him to, to fully adjust and, and and really be a key cog in this organization? I think that's going to be another storyline that we're going to focus on as well. I, I don't know. I just there's there's still some storylines there, and maybe it's just me. Just obviously the fact that you know, be, being based in Canada and focusing on the division as much as I have, I still think there's a lot of gold to be mined somewhere in the division as much as you can covering hockey. But I don't think it's right to kind of just expect that you know the next few months are just going to suck i i think there's something there there's something I think, there i think you're right to mention vancouver because it might hinge on them being competitive it might hinge on them pushing the competitive aspect of that media mediocre middle that we have with uh, edmonton winnipeg and calgary and really get things kick-started because not to say that there's a level of comfortability or or anything like that but i feel like there's a lot of stagnant stagnancy uh going on in that middle group and if vancouver suddenly turns it around might peak everyone's ears up and everyone has to sort of, you know, really get into it. Uh, but as long as teams keep fading, if Calgary keeps playing the way it is, I mean, everything's just going to sag. And and I mentioned, you know, how, how concerned I was, and I'm not going to say it again, but uh, it just, it, it, it requires a team to really go on a run to get competitive, to really uh, solidify, solidify themselves as a contender, or we might just see this completely spread and, and that wouldn't be, uh, I don't think fun for anyone uh let's get into topic two which is the pittsburgh penguins hiring brian burke and ron hextall to run things in philly so we talked pretty much uh at length about pittsburgh and their situation uh before we knew who was taking over the reins uh so we don't know exactly what they're going to do they have been revealing and, and they've sort of given us a bit of an idea of what is in store for the penguins um but we're not going to see exactly what they have in mind until they put things into practice so you know i think we can what we can glean from them is that you know ron hextall is a prospect guy ron hextall is a guy who built philadelphia's like core group that is supporting the jerus and Voraceks of the world and it's a very very solid group a lot of very good young players are bringing the flyers into that contender tier but burke is sort of a different animal because burke is a impatient guy He is uh, not a rebuild guy and he's taking over or he's going to be partly in charge of a group that is, you know, at the end of their window. So it it seems like, you know, Burke's influence could be more so in the next 18 months or so when Ron Hextall really has to worry about what's ahead. Um, But I do think they struck a pretty, pretty solid match here because they have a little bit of everything that's needed at this time, which is an eye to the future plus taking care of the window and and what's right ahead of them, which is potentially a chance to actually compete for a Stanley Cup, despite the obvious warts that the Penguins have right now. So what's your take on, on, on the, uh, the management structure that has been put in place and what might lie ahead for the Penguins? Um, for me, uh, I think you have it spot on. I, I think the fact that uh, this team realizes they still have the pieces in place uh, where they should be able to at least compete for a playoff spot and, and potentially go on a run that makes perfect sense and, and i don't know if you saw yesterday on on uh during the hockey day in canada bros kept broadcast on sportsnet brian burke doing his final broadcast with sportsnet mm-hmm. uh, basically they were asking questions about uh, how it'll be for him on on working with the penguins and the one quote that struck me is the fact that he said they're still in win now mode and it makes sense if you still have arguably the best 
top two center tandem in the division, if not the league, in, in Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you should be running for a playoff spot every year. But the magic is going to come in the offseason and maybe the year after that. Uh, you know, Evgeny Malkin's contract is going to run up in a few years, and you got to see what might happen with him, even though he has an NMC. Uh, I don't see them in a situation where they'd even part with a Sidney Crosby, but a Christopher Latang maybe, if a team might yeah. be willing. I, 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 I still think that with the stars that they have, the, the, those three guys I mentioned, Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, there's going to be some break between those three, and Ron Hextall is going to have to be the architect of that trade. But essentially with this team now, this might be their last stand as far as I'm concerned. You look at the division that you're in, they're in with, with Boston and, and Philadelphia and, and the New York Islanders. And I know this division is only in for this year, so to speak, but that Pittsburgh Penguins team, in comparison to some of the other teams in their conference, their window is a lot closer to closing versus mm -hmm. some of those other franchises. And unless they kind of turn the corner and, and, and offload some players, get some prospects, the Penguins don't have a first round pick this year. So yeah. they kind of have to go for it in a sense for this year. And then after that, just kind of start cutting their losses here and there. But in comparison to other teams in their conference, uh, that window is not nearly as open as, as some of those other teams. And to see that they're at least by the looks of things, they'll at least have an eye to the future. If not now, and at some point in 18 months, it's a step in the right direction. It's a necessary step for that team. Yeah, I mean, this isn't breaking news or anything, but I, I think we can pretty much glean that they're going to give it the next two years, which is as long as Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang have on their contracts. Uh, so that means this year for sure uh, that they'll be given you know full reign to go after to try and make the playoffs to try and do some damage in the postseason. Um, but I don't even think next year is promised because if you fail this year, they don't make the playoffs this year, they start off uh, really poorly next year, then how how are you going to justify not trading Evgeny Malkin, not trading Chris Letang, and trying to get back what you have lost or what Jim Rutherford had spent in the previous iteration of this team, uh, trying to you know get as much talent around the city Crosby, Malkin, and Letang uh, as possible? Um, but what they have to do is try to improve this team right now, and that starts with goaltending. Ron Hexel is also a goaltending guy, so what they have to try to find a way to do is not spend any more of the future but try to make those fixes now and I think that is going to be possible I mean we've heard Marc-Andre Fleury's name out there we've heard Jonathan Quick's name out there and that's the most important thing because the Penguins are dead last in total save percentage this season they have one regulation win from 12 games three three wins in the shootout two in overtime which is obviously saving their season to this point that success in the bonus periods um but they're not good enough at that position to have any success this year. So they've got to make those changes now, which is, you know, improve the goaltending for sure. Make other adjustments, but you can't spend any of the future because that is probably what happens in two years is probably more important. You mentioned spending first round picks. They can't spend another first round pick. They don't have one, but they certainly can't spend it in the future because they may be fully into a rebuild at that point. So this is a big job for Ron Hextall. He's got to find a way to basically not spend any futures assets to improve the team now uh, because he, you know, the biggest task for him is, is down the line. So if, if I'm following you here, that pretty much leaves Ron Hextall with the option if he wants to win now and he wants to get goaltending to help them make the playoffs, he's going to have to dip into the roster that's winning and playing now to kind of make that happen. And, or and, yeah, or or you're you're basically going to Vegas and you're saying you know 
we'll we, we'll take this problem. Mark Andre Fleury is a problem. I mean, they, we talked in the in our first episode. Salary I think, speaking, yes. Uh, like he he's an issue. Oh no, he's. I mean, he's the the perfect I mean, human. That. So he's he's not a human, <laughs> or he's not a problem in that sense. Um, but he he's a guy that's complicating matters there, and so they're going to have to go. Maybe it is to Jonathan Quick and try to make the right choice on a guy that his current team doesn't necessarily want. Now that might not mean you have to spend too much. But then you're putting all your eggs in one basket. If that doesn't help you, if that doesn't go, if you don't go from 31st in total save to at least 15 or something like that, you're still going to be in trouble and it's going to be all for naught. There's some Montreal Canadiens fan listening to what you're saying right now and is thinking, why don't the Montreal Canadiens trade Carey Price for Sidney Crosby? Why don't (laughs) they do that? They get themselves a goalie that costs fine $10.5 million dollars. But hey, Sidney yeah. Crosby. There's some. Fa- I, by the way, that would never make sense. Like no way. I'm just. I'm just making fun of. of I think Sidney Sidney Crosby's Montreal tenure further down the line. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? You know, there are Montreal 38, can- age 38, 39. That's when we can expect that. No, there are there are Canadians fans who would take Sidney Crosby at 42. Absolutely, I'd, I'd take Sidney Crosby at 42. Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? One of the most talented players of our generation, if not the most talented player of our generation, at if 40 anyone- years old. If anyone's going to age well, it should be Sidney Crosby. Uh, I mean, obviously he's going to have tons of tons of tread on the mile on the tires and lots of miles in the odometer. Um, but this guy takes care of himself. He's like, you know, we just saw Tom Brady, forty three years old, win a Super Bowl. Uh, I feel like Sidney Crosby's that one guy who can age gracefully. Maybe not as gracefully, but age Maybe gracefully. Not. But let's get back on topic. Any any more anything yeah. else on 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 the Pittsburgh's situation right now? Honestly, just with, with the pens, I can't envy a situation. I, I don't necessarily envy Burke and, and Hextall being in that situation, but uh, the next two years are going to be very interesting for that hockey team. As I mentioned before, I don't think they're going to be nearly as good as some of the other teams in their division, but if they have an eye for the future and they're not necessarily just stuck in this win-now mode for the next two, three years or whatever, then they should be okay, I think. Yeah, I, I think they're in good hands with Ron Hextall, who obviously has, you know, a, a couple phases that this is going to go through trying to win now and then looking to the future. But I do worry a little bit about Brian Burke. I mean, how engaged is he going to be? He's obviously got a cushy gig, you know, being the liaison between a general manager and an ownership group that includes Mario Lemieux. It's a pretty cushy gig, let's be honest. Pretty, yeah. But how, interest, how interested is he going to be in the day-to-day if by this time next year, and we're you know halfway through a full season at this time next year, hopefully, Evgeny Malkin's about to be dealt or has been dealt, and it's been stripped to its its core. Uh, Sidney Crosby's still around, but he's going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuild. How is Brian Burke? How interested is Brian Burke going to be when this is suddenly a non-competitive roster? that's looking two to three years ahead, needs to get a young goaltender developed, needs to get young defensemen developed, needs to get a bunch of picks to come not only go through the system, but establish themselves as NHL players. We're talking three, four, five years, perhaps. Is Brian Burke going to want to go through all that? I'm not really sure. I think Brian Burke's good for the next 18 months. But as David Amber joked on Hockey Night in Canada last night, when he said, see you next year, <laughs> I, yes he did is there some is there perhaps some truth in every joke including that one i don't know maybe. i don't know i have no clue uh i thought that joke was very good from da um but yeah that's a really good point you brought up i mean brian burke is not like a spring chicken anymore and i don't mean exactly. that in disrespectful terms i'm just looking at the man's age here we all we all know <laughs> how old the man is i'm not trying to yep. get punched in the face but 
uh, yeah, if, if the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a situation where they're going to have to develop players for a long time in their rebuild, when it eventually gets to that point, it takes a lot longer than expected. Is Brian Burke going to want to stick around for five, seven years? Maybe not, you know, but at the same time, that's also kind of what the job is, sort of. I mean, this team is, again, not ready to really compete for Stanley Cups in comparison to some of the other teams that have really come up in the last year and a bit. So Brian Burke, I could maybe 18 months, maybe two, three, two, three years. He just kind of extends his guidance here and there. And then, then just kind of pushes the sled down the, down the hill, maybe, maybe, and maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he's fine with that because he's even said during the Sportsnet broadcast that he's turned down opportunities before. And then he just thought, all right, cool. Just take this Pittsburgh job. But Maybe yeah. maybe that's what he wants. Maybe that's maybe it's okay for him to just kind of be with an organization for a few years and just kind of see them through as they head over into the next set. Maybe that's what he wants, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe Pittsburgh doesn't mind that because if they do go into full scorched earth rebuild, maybe they don't need to be paying to general managers or to, you know, two executives that are so high up on the on the on the earning chain uh and and uh you know, when you're when you're not in a position to win, you're not in a position to make bring in a lot of a lot of money. Maybe that's not a position they want to be in. Maybe they're okay if things do not work out in their favor over the next two years. That Brian Burke, uh, you know, steps back into the broadcasting world. That purely speculation, obviously, uh, but it is an interesting dynamic there, and obviously one to watch. Topic three: Ryan Zingle to the Ottawa Senators, back to the Ottawa Senators in a bit of a surprise, weird kind of interesting trade on Saturday morning. Uh, he's obviously coming from the Carolina Hurricanes, who took back Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric pa- Paquette. I think Paquette is really the only guy they're interested in that trade. Yeah. Galchenyuk, six season or six, yeah, six season. Uh, is it six teams and four seasons or four teams and yeah, six it's, seasons? It's, Help uh, me out here. Okay, so he started in Montreal the first few years, then he ends up going to uh, Arizona. I think it's four and six because because it's Arizona. So it's Montreal, then Arizona, then Pittsburgh, then Minnesota, then Ottawa, and then Carolina that's now. Six and four. Six and four. So that's six and four. So I'm bad at six math. Six sweaters like, in four years is is geez. remarkable for, for a former third overall selection. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And a former 30-goal scorer at that, too. There was a point where this kid was, I mean, I'm not going to say he was like this world beater, but there was a point where the Montreal Canadiens, you know, you looked at the prospect and you thought, okay, this guy is going to be a part of this team's future. But unfortunately, he just was not able to stick at center, despite 
what some people were pleading for him to do and despite what the organization of it wanted to see him as and he just kind of fell off it's just and think about it this guy couldn't even get games with the worst team in the nhl with the ottawa Senators. he could barely get in and out of the lineup so i think that's really interesting that he's kind of at this point in his career now he's just kind of bouncing around from teams but to stick with this angle uh i'm really intrigued at the Ottawa Senators taking him back. I think he had his best years uh, with the Ottawa Senators. This is a guy they Definitely. took a chance on as a seventh-round pick, and he ended up turning himself into a pretty decent player for the franchise. Uh, they part with Paquette and, and Galchenyuk. I'm just curious, like, if they – with with Dezingle, right? This team is clearly not necessarily in a position where they're going to win right away. Is mm-hmm. it just to kind of change things up? Do they see – Zingle as an option is going to provide goals so they can be a bit more competitive. I, I wonder what the true motive is with with a trade like Dezingle for Pocket and, and Galchenyuk. Because I don't know if that's necessarily like a move they had to do, right? Like if the Senators yeah. were in a position where they were challenging for the playoffs, you're like, okay, well, you got rid of some dead weight. But like, did the Senators really need to make this move? I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Well, I think it perhaps does two things. I mean, in the immediate term or, or after the two week quarantine that he's going to have to go through, uh, I think he probably could help them. I mean, Paquette and Galchenyuk have been proven to not be top six options for, uh, the Ottawa senators and Ryan Zingle could certainly be, uh, so it could improve or make them a little bit more competitive help. Maybe a Tim Stutzler or whoever be a little bit more productive. Uh, but he could also be flipped at the deadline. Uh, we're talking about a guy who had his best success in Ottawa, two-time 20-goal scorer, was traded at the height of his powers a couple years ago to Columbus, and it was actually okay for Columbus uh, for the remainder of that year. It did not work out in Carolina for him. I don't think he could break into that really uh, important top six, middle six role because he just wasn't as good as the other players that are in Carolina, but he is as good as the other players in Ottawa. So uh, there's a potential for him to, you know, catch fire a little bit and maybe be flipped at the deadline and get what you didn't get in the trade involving, you know, Paquette. Like they, they got a second round pick to, to take on some money um, and, and to sort of shore up things for the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, but I don't think Paquette's really going to be someone who's going to be there to help them when they need that help. Uh, he couldn't even get in the lineup with regularity along with Galchenyuk. So Zingles may be a short-term solution for, you know, uh, a little bit of help now, but maybe could get them in another second round selection or third round selection uh, before the deadline, which would be pretty good business if you're able to turn assets that you really have no interest in in the long in the long term uh, into actually something that you can be using. But for Carolina, I think it makes sense because Zingle just didn't fit. He didn't do anything with the organization really uh, in his one plus years there, uh, and they have better options as I mentioned. And now they got two depth options who can probably potentially come into the fourth line. Paquette could be the fourth line center for them in the playoffs. Uh, and Galchenyuk could be a guy who's, you know, 13th man to swing forward who can get in there every now and then. But it maybe clears things up for them in the top nine and gives them something at the bottom end, some more utility. And for Ottawa, I think they they get what they need, which is players that can actually play high in the lineup. Yeah, and I like how you, uh, at the beginning of your argument, you're not necessarily an argument, but at the beginning of your point, I should say, uh, does Ingle getting to kind of insulate some of those younger players like a Tim Stutzla? Uh, he, does Ingle has some mileage under his belt from playing in the NHL as long as he has? I think he's just going to be another veteran for some of those younger players to kind of look up to and have some guidance about playing through full seasons and, and getting their bearings in for the NHL. So I guess in that respect, uh, I guess for the more skilled players on this team, uh, getting a guy like Ryan Dezingle should should be able to at least help them on on that front as this team of course is still it transitioning from you know 
being the sucky team to <laughs> one day go back to the ranks of, of, of being competitive. So I guess there is that positive as well for the Ryan Dezingle trade. I don't know. I thought I kind of looked at it. I was like, okay, it was just okay. But uh, now we were both able to kind of look into it and realize there's actually some pretty good details for the Ottawa Senators in this. Yeah, and there's there's the other thing with Carolina is that they're going to have a little bit more of cap, little bit more cap space with the trade, which could allow them to do something else down the line, which is also a benefit for them. But like just looking at Ottawa's lineup right now, there's not really much space for Zingle to fit in. I mean, if there's an injury, obviously he can he, he's easily can step in and and play that role in pretty much any top nine function. Uh, but they're, they're wingers right now. Connor Brown, Evgeny Dadanov, Drake Batherson, Brady Kachuk, Nick Paul, Tim Stutzla. Do you really want to take ice time away from any of those six? I don't know. Uh, probably not. But, you know, it, it, you, if you have six of them, you probably need seven of them top nine wingers to get through. So uh, at least he can, he can you know, maybe start in the fourth line, move up, and, and, and help as need be. But, you know, we're, we're talking at length about a pretty minor trade, but one that I think probably helps both sides a little bit. Yeah, I, I real I did not expect we were going to take that long with the single, but I, still though, I I definitely still think that uh, there's definitely some positives that kind of outweigh some negatives for the Ottawa Senators with this move. Transactions, baby, that's what that's what we love to talk about. Yes. Uh, okay, let's move on to Hockey Night in Canada or Hockey Day in Canada, rather. Uh, it's a day I've always looked forward to. I mean, nothing makes me happier in life than seeing Ron McLean do his first twirl on the ice to begin the broadcast because. No one loves anything more than Ron McLean loves skating on the ice while broadcasting his two favorite things at once. Uh, but yes. more, important, more important than that, uh, we were forced to look at the game through a different lens this year, with inclusiveness being the theme uh, for Hockey Day in Canada, Sportsnet and CBC. And I think they did a pretty good job of providing a more accurate representation of what hockey actually looks like in Canada. Um, but it was also a reminder of the difficult times here. I mean, I felt like there were far fewer features, less stories from rinks and communities. And that's because hockey is just not being played and enjoyed the same way it was because of this pandemic. I mean, the, the rinks are not, the rinks are empty and, and we're not seeing as much of the, of the, the stuff we love and we love to celebrate, uh, because it's just not happening right now, which kind of, which was kind of sad to me because it's, it's a day where you're used to seeing a hundred smiling kids, you know, screaming into cameras and having fun on the ice and enjoying what they love to do. And yesterday for me was a reminder that that's just not happening anymore. Yeah. Uh, this pandemic has taken away a lot of joys from us over the last few years, even beyond hockey, you extend to different parts of life. Uh, and to see that, unfortunately, their broadcast was not able to kind of capture the true spirit of, of hockey day in Canada, or as uh, Kim Davis of the NHL refers it to as Canada day, mistakenly. Uh, mm. I just think that, uh, yeah, you're right. It was very clear that that was on display. Uh, they did still try their best. I know Ron McLean, he still got to do his little skate around. I know in, earlier in the week he was, he was at Jeff Merrick's house with his kids and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of doing that too. Like he was, it was still cool for them to at least try to at least kind of capture it in some way. Um, the matchups, of course, for all the all the Canadian matchups were, were pretty decent, too. I know some people were complaining about the fact that Connor McDavid wasn't necessarily playing and fine. He's the league's best player, most, at least most exciting player to watch. But I know for me, like because of the fact that his personality off the ice doesn't necessarily match, I'm not necessarily that heartbroken that he mm -hmm. didn't necessarily play uh, and inclusiveness. To me, I, I, I can't help but think of the Hockey Day in Canada's attempts at making sure that that's a theme 
while also not think of the league's attempts as a whole of trying to be more inclusive and mm-hmm. also do their part for Black History Month. We've seen at different points on TSN broadcast or Sportsnet broadcast or just anything through the league where they've tried to highlight the fact that it's Black History Month, highlight the initiatives they were doing through through Willie O'Ree. The Sportsnet had a little series with P.K. Subban where he was talking to different kids as well. I, I can't help but think of of what the NHL has at least been trying to do over the last month or so to show that they're trying to be more of an inclusive league. And I mean, I get that you can't necessarily fault them for trying. For me, my whole thing is just beyond this month, what's what's going to happen, right? What right. beyond beyond what's going to happen on Hockey Day in Canada, beyond what the media, what our as, us as mainstream media outlets are going to be able to try to provide. What are the teams? What are the leagues going to do? And until we see more players really kind of step up and really show. Uh, that the league is more inclusive or the sport of hockey is more inclusive, that might hold them back a bit. And while there are some players who are committed to doing that, it would be cool to see more of the league's prominent faces like a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby kind of step up and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to ensure the game is, is, is much more inclusive. Not, I'm not to say that they have not, but I think uh, a lot of the responsibility to kind of, push that message forward lies in in some of the game's most marquee players i know like harry price for example they showed an example of him just working with indigenous kids of course him being an indigenous player that's something that he cares about that's a great example of this league trying to show that they're just not open to just having just white players just coming and play in their league but you look at god you have to look at you have to call on Sidney crosby you have to call on Connor mcdavid you have to call on some other players as well to kind of do their part to help this game be as inclusive as they can it goes beyond a hockey day broadcast it goes beyond black history month it has to be a year-long thing what I think is encouraging off that point is that Sportsnet is making this. I mean, the the they dedicated Hockey Day in Canada to inclusiveness, but I think they've not dedicated the year, but they've done a better job showing that throughout the year. And I, I and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's it's certainly pretty obvious that they've done a better job, uh, you know, reaching out to different uh, communities being more open to different ideas and be more welcoming to everyone, uh, you know, non-white, uh, most importantly. Um, so I, th- I think that's an important step for not just Sportsnet to dedicate the day, but to, to walk the walk, because I think there's been a, a certain, a different tone, a different, uh, approach this year and again you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's certainly a positive step and if they're the ones that own the rights which they are and which they will be for a long time they are setting the tone a little bit and that only bodes well for the future in my opinion here's something else i will give sportsnet credit to and this is something that goes beyond their broadcast on saturday and stuff that i've just seen through their broadcast throughout much of the year Uh, i know david amber has been as part of part of sportsnet for the last few years and it's amazing to see a black host of, I know Ron McLean is the guy on Hockey Night in Canada, mm-hmm. but he's presumably number two on, on their Saturday broadcast. To see him get opportunities, that's that's really a big deal. To see Anthony Stewart get opportunities on the panel as well. Uh, earlier this week. Sarah Nurse as well. Sarah Nurse um, and and Anson Carter. They, they had a show Anson on Carter, Wednesday yeah. Night Hockey where it was Anson Carter and Anthony Stewart, Jeff Merrick, 
and and Cassie Campbell Pascal. And I'm not just going to make this a race thing as well. I think the fact that uh, they've been able to show different perspectives from from female hockey players as well has been yeah. a huge thing. And and we can't forget them and all this. I think Sportsnet deserves some credit for providing some as many diverse personalities and as for as many diverse perspectives throughout the season as they've been covering the NHL and not just having the same kind of buttoned up white guys that look I'm, I'm calling out white guys Justin I get it you know no. I, <laughs> hey look I get it some people are gonna be like oh no he's calling out the white guys like don't no worry no. like you this is what you have to do but I credit Sportsnet for at least trying to provide different perspectives through some of the broadcasts that they've been able to do throughout the year. There are still some lengths they could go. Hartner Ryan Singh, I did not even mention him. Uh, he's been great on play-by-play broadcasts throughout the yep. year. I will give Sportsnet their due for you know also walking the walk and talking the talk when it comes to diversity for the league because it's just as important as it is for players to kind of step up and show that it's a big thing that should matter to them in terms of getting more diverse players into the league. I think the way the hockey media looks also plays a huge role in in ensuring that message isn't just a hollow message for this league as well. So I give Sportsnet immense credit for the diversity and personalities that they've shown throughout the season. Sportsnet broadcasts look different than most other broadcasts that we see in sports. Hockey Day in Canada look different than most hockey days in Canada that we've seen previously. And and that to me is is important progress that this game is making and must still make. Um, anything else? That's pretty much what I have to say for that. I just think for 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 Sportsnet and and for these diversity initiatives and Black History Month, um, this league has obviously realized what they've gone through in the last year with the uh, protests during the bubble, uh, the Bill Peters incident with Akeem Alou. Uh, they have a lot of work to do. And uh, Kim Davis, who works with the NHL and is working very hard at some of these initiatives as well, acknowledged as much during the uh, the interview she had with Ron McLean. Uh, and I and I realized that the bar has been set really low for the NHL in comparison to other leagues. But I I don't feel to be so critical on them and and kind of downplay some of the stuff that they are doing they're at least trying you know i don't want to be totally cynical on the nhl but at least the league is trying to kind of rid themselves of the old crotchety image it's going to take them a long time but they're at least heading in the right direction uh and leaders are required and i think we are seeing some leaders emerge uh and that's obviously an important thing uh we'll leave it at that uh julian shower grandma with chocolates flowers whatever her favorites are because uh, it's Valentine's Day and she deserves it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.